taking this opportunity to reflect on our practice. the Sharangama Samadhi, the cultivation of the ultimately durable, unshakable, abiding, reflecting that the rain finally subsided revealing the sky, vastness of the sky. But did the sky go anywhere? We might not have been aware of the sky. We get focused on what's moving through the sky, focused on the beautiful sunset, thick, cold, seemingly endless, cloudy rain. Eagles fly through the sky. Awesome clouds. Is the sky tainted by what uh, disturbed is the sky impeded by what moves through it? The vast emptiness of the sky is not disturbed. Space not disturbed. and reflecting how we felt. With the damp, I could even see myself with the with bones aching. And, oh, rain is good, but this much rain, this much rain. So is the rain bad? And you reflect on the farmers a few miles away, clapping their hands, rejoicing, finally. It's good? Is it good? It's bad. It's good. It's bad. Words don't approach the Dharma, the true nature of things. It's not good. It's not bad. It is such. It's, it is as it is. And it's also empty. It's there and then it's gone. You can't even say it is. Because then the sky's clear. You say it isn't. Then the conditions change again and then the clouds come. How many times do you think, oh, finally it stopped raining? And it started raining again. Is, isn't, is, isn't. Like that bubble. The bubble's there. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. There it is. And pop, it's gone. It's nothing. It's empty. It wasn't there anyway. And then it appears again. Is, isn't. The designations of the mind are just ways of talking, but they don't really approach the true nature of the reality. When we don't understand that, the distinctions, the discriminations that the mind makes, and the mind takes hold of, 
of a conditioned thinking, being dazzled, hypnotized, misled by the discriminating consciousness, the vijnana, the manovijnana, the divisive, dualistic consciousness of the discriminative mind, the thinking mind. When we get hijacked by that, then we take a condition. Like feeling good. I feel good. We identify with that, become that, take birth in that. We know we've taken birth in that. When that shifts and changes, and there's a sense of aging, sense of dislocation, sense of suffering, as what one has leaned on, climbed onto, has shifted. We've had the chance to contemplate the teachings, the great teachings from the uh, Sarangama Sutra. How endless birth and death comes from not recognizing this tendency to grasp after conditions, taking them to be me and mine. And in so doing, losing track of, losing sight of this, this what the Buddha called the primal pure consciousness. or losing sight of the way things actually are, losing sight of the true nature. I remember the circumstances of this uh, teaching came when Ananda got uh, waylaid. Actually, what happened was that uh, Matangi's daughter, she fell in love with Ananda because they'd been married, so we're told, 500 previous lifetimes, 500 times. So she, they saw each other, she had to have him. What I didn't say was that when uh, um, the Buddha sent Manjushri out to try to bring them both back, he, 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 he he brought Ananda back, and he also brought Matangi's daughter. He convinced her to come back and listen to the Buddha, too. What I didn't actually say is that after, after the Buddha invited the 25 great sages, and then Kuan Yin was the 25th and talked about her method, his method, his, her method, for entering the way of contemplating the sounds of the world. In other words, hearing and reflecting, or what Manjushri called listening to the sounds purely. And then Manjushri, the Buddha asked Manjushri to pick which would be the most suitable expedient means for Ananda uh, to, to get enlightened, and also which would be the easiest way for people after the Buddha's cessation, after his Nibbana, after his uh, uh, dying what would also be an, uh, the easiest method for those in later ages, like now, to enter into the way. Manjushri then picked Kuan Yin's method. What I didn't actually say is, 
my, uh, right on the spot, Matungi's daughter got enlightened. She beat him to the punch. She was sharp. She, and she ordained as a bhikkhuni. Um, but Ananda had a method, and he worked on it. Ananda actually didn't get enlightened till uh, after the Buddha died. When the Buddha died, Ananda was so close to the Buddha, he cried and cried and cried and cried. He's the human figure in the scriptures. And, um, and then when they were going to all meet together and um, uh, recite the teachings so that they could come to agreement, the great saints would come to agreement on what the Buddha actually taught, Ananda had the best memory, so he was going to naturally be there. But they had a rule that you had to be enlightened to be there. And so he wasn't going to get allowed into the meeting. So he practiced, 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 practiced all night long. And he struggled and struggled and struggled. And then he thought, oh, I'll just take a little bit of rest. And it's said that when he let go just for a bit and just let go, before his head hit the pillow, hit the mat, he broke through. He saw through birth and death. So he was accepted into the meeting and he did the recitations. But Ananda was given a method and he kept working on this method. And we've had a chance to look at this method. Quan uh, Yin's method of returning the hearing, listening, listening to the sounds. We have a great teacher up here in the little shrine room, the roaring sound of the stream. Roaring sound of that stream, and we contemplate that sound. It's just roaring. You can think, oh, our stream is really going now. We have a marvelous stream. Actually, go to your stream. Actually, go up to the stream. Can you grab the stream? It's ungraspable. As one gets close, it's roaring, shifting, changing. Yet the way of thinking about it makes it sound like a thing. And in not many months' time, that will be uh, absolutely dry. Won't be there. And actually, all the senses are the roaring contact with I, shifting, changing, this, the cascading ephemerality, changeability of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. But in listening, listening is a, a suitable means. Notice how listening is, is global. You can hear things that are near, you can hear things that are far, above and below. Listening doesn't tend to set up so much the sense of me and you, because there's a sense of it being spacious.
And when one returns the hearing or contemplates the nature of the sounds, there's a possibility of hearing the sounds. And when, it, when a sound subsides, is the hearing destroyed? Is the hearing nature destroyed? What remains? And in listening into the nature of the sounds and returning the hearing, we're also listening into what's called the self-nature, or the nature of what we take to be so. And also the, the true nature of things. Listening into our thoughts. Listening to the sound of our own thoughts. And can one hear the thoughts arise and then cease? listening to the ending of thoughts. When, doesn't, when one doesn't return the hearing, one chases after the objects of thoughts. And one gets lost in the 10,000 things, the proliferating mind, what's called papuncha, the proliferating mind. When we delight in papancha, meaning then, then, then we delight in, in what we like and then what we don't like is over there and we delight in what is me and what is you and what is good and what is bad. We delight in the complexity. Yo papanchang, yo papancha maniyuto, papancha birato maga, viradiyisonibbanang yoga kemanganitarang. The Buddha said, those who delight in that, indulge in and delight in that proliferating mind, there is no way they ever reach Nibbana, the ultimate freedom from bondage. That's what yoga kemanganutrang, the ultimate freedom from bondage. Yo chapapanchang hitavana nipapancha pate pato aradhyiso nibbanang yoga kemanganutarang. But those who cut through papancha and delight in the path to the end of this proliferating mind, they arrive at nibbana. So one of, the, one of the prime methods in the Shurangama Samadhi is using, using a thought, but just a thought to point the attention back to the deathless, back to that which never dies. 
like a thought like who? Who's doing all this thinking? So the thought is called a huato, or it's, it's a topic. It's pointing back to that which is right before the thought. Right before the thought, there's a space. Right after the thought, there's a space. The huato, the topic, who points us back. So for a moment, we look into where does the thought come from? Where does it go? Or when one's listening to the stream, the roaring stream, one can ask the question, what never moves? The stream is moving. The stream is moving. The sounds are moving. But what never moves? Does the silence, does the stillness move? The storm came and the storm went, but does the sky move? Did the space move? I know that's analogy, but when the dust is dancing in the sunbeam, the dust is moving, but does the space move? So in this meditation, we're having the opportunity to, even if the mind is busy with lots of thoughts, we see the thoughts like, Birds in the sky are like clouds or storms passing through the sky, but getting a feeling for that which doesn't move, that which remains. Sounds of my voice are moving right now, moving through the heart, but what remains? What Ajahn Sumedha would call the knowing or the awareness the Buddha might call the pure consciousness, the listening. Sounds are shifting, but the listening remains. Moods come and go, but the knowing, the knowing nature, the awareness, it's like a sky. Okay, a sky is just analogy, but it's like a sky. The mind is measureless. So the proliferating mind, what is that? What is that fueled by? It's fueled by thinking, thinking that's just out of control. Thinking. So the Buddha actually gave advice on, on learning. Okay, we think. Sometimes it's really helpful to think, to communicate. He said it's helpful to think and discern whether what you're doing is wholesome or not. If it's not wholesome, it's good to have a thought to say, hey, hold on, wait a minute. But he said if what you're doing, if it's not bad, if it's wholesome and what we're doing here, meditating, contemplating, sitting, walking, helping each other the way that we are here beautifully, He said, then the Buddha said, can you train yourself to learn how to do it without thinking? That's called the path to Nipapancha, the path to the end of proliferation. So just even in little ways, learn. Like if one's walking, 
We use thought for a while, yes. We use directed thought to bring us back, bring us back. That's a start. But then the Buddha said, can you also, once you're here, can you also learn how to do that without thinking? The Buddha said that's a more excellent abiding. To learn to know the mind when it's not making distinctions. Ajahn Sumedho taught us to, to enter this by learning to watch the ending of a thought. An ordinary thought. Like, oh, the rain stopped. The rain stopped. And notice that gap. The rain stopped in the gap. I mean, notice the gap right before the thought. The rain stopped. Get a sense of the sky of the mind and the thought coming. The rain stopped and the thought subsiding. My first entryway into this practice came from Sri Nisargadatta's method. He didn't call it Hawato, but that's what it was. It's a word that self-destructs and points back to the source. Nisargadatta's Hawato, or his meditation topic that turned the mind back, was the simple phrase, I am. Normally, the deluded, discriminative mind, I am this happiness, I am not that uh, person over there, I am this success, it's usually I am this, I am that. Nisargadatta just said, just let the I am as a thought, but let that thought then dissolve and take you back to that closest thing that you're most familiar with, just the sense of beingness. I'd been a monk about uh, I'd been in the monastery a couple of years when Ananda, this monk whose uh, picture's on the wall, sent me Nisargadatta's book for my birthday. And I was in a branch monastery, a really tough branch monastery. And Nisargadatta said, Nisargadatta said, no, just let that thought, rather than getting lost in thinking about this, thinking about that, take a simple thought, let the thought touch the mind, then let the thought dissolve. Notice the thought, I am, dissolve into awareness. And for the first time, even though I'd heard the teachings before in other words, I started noticing the background or the sky of the mind. I'd been so dazzled by the lightning flashes of the mind, the insights, the pleasures, the pains. That's like the lightning flashes of the fireworks that the discriminative mind can catch on to. Ooh, that's a pretty one. Ooh, that's an ugly one. But with the fireworks keeps dissolving into the space that makes it possible, the vast sky. The lightning flashes 
and keeps its non-separate from the sky. We rarely notice the matrix, the background's another word. So when I started doing that in this branch monastery, I am. It's like turning the mind back to itself, to the mind ground. Then it was so obvious of the mind thinking this and that, and those were so obviously changing thoughts. Even the I am was just a thought. It's there and it's gone. When I got a sense of that, the thoughts would come and go, the feelings would come and go, the sounds would come and go, but the awareness or the knowing or the background or the sky of the heart space remained. So one of my favorite huatos or meditation topics in this shurang, this gateway into the Sharangama Samadhi of letting the heart be established in its ground, its own nature. One of my favorite gateways is the phrase, what remains. Sounds come and go. Weather comes and goes. Liking it and not liking it comes and goes. These words are coming and going and what remains. What isn't coming and going? And that what? Notice that question, what? For a moment makes the mind turn into itself and notice naturally it stops thinking for a moment. Oh, hmm. So this is a tool for cultivating nipapancha. This is a tool for cultivating this path of non-proliferation because the question who... Who's working so hard? For a moment, hmm. So that doubt, that not knowing for a moment, hmm. That gap is a gateway to get a feeling for the non-proliferating mind, the mind that's not discriminating, thinking. got so excited when I, I had that breakthrough, then I just let all these thoughts I was afraid of, I just had all the thoughts come, oh come, all of them. And they would all just come and go, and it was so clear that they were just like fireworks. They were just what they were, bubbles. And just like the clouds can't disturb the sky, in those moments of mindfulness of the heart ground, it was so clear that how crazy that we take our vast nature and get, and because some thought comes and says, I'm miserable, that we, yes, boss, 
you know, that's a real apartheid there, I tell you. You know, we, we let some little thought come and it can even make us want to kill ourselves or kill somebody else. So if our mind is kicking up a fuss and proliferating a lot, okay, then we hold it loosely and get a sense of, of, of getting a sense of Kundanyo's method the first disciple of the Buddha that had a breakthrough. Remember his method is just uh, recognizing the distinction between the host and the guest. If your mind's going wild, that's all right. But see all these thoughts and things as guests, like the storms moving through the sky. They come, they go, the sky remains. The space remains. Getting a sense. And from time to time, just touching with a question, who or what remains? So I encourage us to be very patient with this practice. This practice is, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's about birth and death. It's about seeing the cause of birth and death. Early on in my monastic life once, Ajahn Chah, he, he um, asked me, um, what I was going to uh, do, and I still was under the impression that, you know, you get enlightened and then that was just kind of something you do and then I carry on. And, um, and so I said, no, I want to go and uh, be a doctor. And, and he said, well, there's a lot of doctors. But he said, uh, can they cure death? I said, well, he said, can they cure death? And I said, well, I'm not sure. And he said, well, look, why don't you be a doctor of the spirit? And then you can find the cure for birth and death. What we're having a chance to look at is, is what is birth and death? If you take something that is essentially unstable, by its nature, being perfectly what it is, you take something, a thought, a feeling, a body, a formation, and expect it to be otherwise, that's called birth, then when it changes, there's aging and death. Have an opportunity to explore how all that comes about by the way we think about ourselves and about the world. Really explore what happens if we get the feeling for letting a thought end. Don't worry, we'll still be able to talk, still be able to communicate, but it'll be more a tool rather than a compulsive being compulsively being mesmerized by our views and opinions. Can we let a thought end? 
Start to notice the silence before and after and around every thought. Start to get a sense of when the mind is not splitting up everything. Getting a sense that we can rest in that ground, that that is our resting place. the essence of the Heart Sutra. All dharmas are empty of characteristics. Characteristics is when the mind comes in there and and says, no, this is good, this is bad, this is me, this is you, that ultimately speaking, all those characteristics are just ways of talking. They're not really that way. Whatever you say about something, then the next instant it's already different. It's already different. That's why the mantra gate, gate, gate means gone. It's a beautiful word. Something's there and then it's gone. It's there, gate, gone. Gate, gone. Paragate, gone beyond. Parasangate, completely gone beyond. Bodhi, awakening. This is this mantra, swaha, so be it. This mantra is about opening our heart, the prajnaparamita, Kuan Yin's work and our work when we illuminate, illumine these khandhas and start to see how they come and go, come and go, come and go, and allow them, allow thoughts, allow feelings, allow forms to be just what they are. And when we start to relinquish that old compulsive habit of clinging, and we go beyond that uh, looking for security in the wrong place, there's a possibility of opening the heart to the measurelessness, the place without walls. That's what no impediment means place where there's no walls anymore and our heart is like a sky. And within that measureless sky there's room for all forms to manifest dissolve in their own time, their own way. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.